They said it couldn't be done, but maybe that's cause these two ain't never tried it. Well, actually they have, but due to circumstances beyond their control, they've been off the grid for a little while, probably dodging Smokey. But those two Coal Mountain constituents, Chris and Cal, are back for the Crossing 2.0. Round two, do-over, anything else you can think of. You can find them flying high again right here in Coal Mountain. And their future is so bright, they gotta wear shades. But that's probably just because of that glow from that dang neon billboard over there. So, without further ado, here's Chris Cheatham and Cool Mountain Cal Herd. Broadcasting from high top the Doc Hawkins building in downtown Cole Mountain, this is Cole Mountain Cal along with my brother Chris Cheatham, and this is The Crossing, where the music meets the memories. Chris, we're back again. It's been about 15 years since we've done a, a broadcast, or, so or at it, least it seems like it. So it seems. And uh, the rent has gone up on the top of the Doc Hawkins building. Somebody's got to pay the power on that huge billboard that he's got across the street. But, you know, we do what we got to do. The show must go on, as they say. That's exactly right. Well, tonight, usually Chris and I do a musical-themed show, but we've kind of scratched our heads together and got to talking, and we started thinking we might want to do some more interviews because we are the Dan Rather of the Coal Mountain community, pretty much, don't you think? <laughs> the big interview, ain't that? That's well, Calvin, truly, truly, you are the historian well, I try to be. Well, the, I'm, I'm the, the elder of, the, of us, too. Agreed. Of the North Forsyth area. And so you have the contacts. You know who to reach out to to find out a little bit more information. You know who to call. And um, I'm always anxious to learn a little bit more about this great county that we live in that we've both seen has grown so much and changed so much. But even before you and I got to see all the massive changes, there's people who have a story to tell even before the, the explosion occurred. In Forsyth County. And that's, that's what brings us here tonight. That's exactly right. And tonight, our special guest is none other than the fried chicken king of Silver City, Mr. J.C. Gillen. Welcome in, sir. Thank you. Thank you. And Chris, I'll go full disclosure here. J.C. is my great uncle, so nobody so you, else would have got him in down here because he's in demand. <laughs> he's in demand. Contact. So we're just going to run through your entire family tree, oh, yeah. getting people in here. He's, he's We're told, good for another three or four years. He's told us stuff coming down the road, me and you, that I didn't even know about my family. But <laughs> And I'm sure we're going to learn a lot more as uh, we progress on through the show. So, Anyway, sir, your name is? J.C. J.C. Gillen. And you were born to, your parents were? Matt, Georgia, Beauty, and Coy Gillen. Beauty and Coy Gillen. John Coy, was that the? Was yeah, that, yeah. That, that's how you got the JC, the yeah. baby. Yeah. And you are brother to who all? Mazel, Bobby, Ruby, and Anils. Had five sisters, and I was the last born boy. You, the baby, the troublemaker of the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy wanted the boys so bad. He just kept trying. Yeah. Daddy wanted the boys <laughs> so bad that uh, when I was born, the neighbors would come to look at me and so they mama mama would have to pull the divers down to show her that i was a boy that he really had a boy yeah he was that good looking of a baby they didn't believe he was a boy huh? yeah but my wife readers always said they couldn't tell by looking he was a boy <laughs> <laughs> and you were married to miss rita right for how many years were you you and rita 
58-year-old when she passed away. 58. That's how many, has she's passed away how many years ago now? Three years ago, the 7th of last month. Seems like just the other day. I know. Y'all made a great uh, team. 58 years. That's amazing. You just don't hear about that anymore. I'm yeah. not even 58, yeah. Chris. I'm not even 58 yeah. years old. Oh, you're not? No. Okay. Even though I look it. <laughs> and so you said Matt. You said Matt, George. We're talking about it right there on Bannister. Yeah, right down at 369. Yeah. All right. So you went to, which school did you go to? Did Matt, you go to Matt? Matt. And they had an old school over the back of Leon's that burned down the first year I was in school. You call them far and burned down. And they built the new Matt school that's over there now. Which is one that the county actually purchased. You got it. A couple months ago, and they're going to redo that, which is great. Yeah. Who was like? Who were some of your teachers back in those days? Oh God, I can't even remember. Just trouble. You didn't. You didn't yeah. want to. You weren't probably too worried about school in no way. Oh you? no. <laughs> <laughs> so you went to Matt High School, or did did you go into high school? Or no, I went to Matt, and then we moved up to Silver City in forty nine. Forty nine. Yeah. So. Uh, then I started going to common school. Right. Forty. So, was that the elementary or what they call the upper elementary back in those days? Yeah, ultimately. So like, what was the closest store when you lived up at Silver City? Where was the closest store you would go to? Bramlett's? Was Jig Bramlett's? Jig Bramlett's, yeah. Okay. And then uh, Coy and Buny carry y'all to church. Where'd y'all go to church at? Zion Hill. Zion Hill. Daddy was a na- uh, deacon at Zion right. Hill. That was a good haul to get over there back in the yeah, days. Matt Road was uh, from Bannister Road was uh, wasn't paved. B Rutt sat damn deep. Yeah, going down. How long did it take y'all to get there? Oh, it's according to where you got stuck or not. <laughs> Daddy had this '59 Plymouth and letting uh, Bobby drive it, going to Sunday school, and she got in the rut and hit a rock and got the oil pan. Burnt the motor up then, ain't it? Really? Yeah. It was so bad. So as far as church, y'all went, y'all were members at Zion Hill, correct? Right, right. And then uh, Grandpa Gillen, Coy, he was a deacon at... Right. And then you were telling us a story about uh, Bobby wrecked and the... Or yeah. Got in, struck in the ditch. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't lose his deacon shit talking about that, did <laughs> no. he? He didn't get mad. He had a good temper about him, though. He was pretty mild-mannered most of the time. Right. One time back in, it was 49, I think, that come a flood. I mean, it rained like it's rained the last two weeks. Right. Okay, up at the river bottoms at Dawsonville, they had a bridge past the river, and it was what we call the Black Bridge down, but it was a bridge in there. Mm -hmm. This liquor hauler come up at, like three o'clock in the morning, and then wash that bridge out. He went over, and his car went in the river, flowed him down. And so Daddy brought me from Matt up there while they were searching for him. They had all these people walking. I mean, the water was up six, eight feet in the river bottoms all through there. But they found him down the river about three days later. Didn't He didn't make it, I guess. Oh, no. Yeah. And so he was hauling liquor. Well, he was going up to Dawson County to get a load of liquor. And take it back where? To Atlanta. That's where all of them went back then. And they all took Highway 9 back and forth from Dawsonville to 
Correct. Down yeah. in Atlanta. Yeah. And your mother had got to where she knew the sound of the liquor cars coming oh, up the road yeah. you were telling us coming yeah. over here. Tell you to get out of the yard because you yeah. could hear them coming. <laughs> Didn't want him to run over. Now, with them cars, with the, with the liquor haulers, were they quieter? No, they were loud. You could hear them. Carburetors just moaning. <laughs> You'd think it, they'd want them. They'd want them quiet. No, but they couldn't get the horsepower if they was quiet. So, did that give you the fever as a growing, as a young teenager? To you wanted to start driving the fast cars? Oh hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> because that's that's the local legend that you always had the fast car and probably one of the cleanest cars they said back in the days. Well, I, I kept up with it. I never did hear many tales of you being much of a mechanic other than you were a good driver and kept it to the floor. But who did all your mechanicing back for it? Beeler Monday. Beeler Monday. Yeah, says Daddy. Right. He was he was pretty locally known as making making one scream too, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah. And his his garage was right there on Hopewell, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. And that building still stands. Yeah. Now there's a story. I heard today, I'm not going to tell who sent it to me, but there's an issue about you tearing up some gas tanks wrecking in a car, I think I heard. Well. <laughs> tell us that story. Okay, I was, I was 15 year old, and uh, Daddy worked for Mark Jr. Heard. Had this 51 Ford, new, had less than 2,000 miles on it. So school bus let me off at Mark Heard Jr. there. And uh, I was going to show out and pass them. <laughs> so I went through the curves there at Mark Hurd's at 9, at 9E, and I went through them curves. I hit that cupboard and went around, and Ed <clears throat> had uh, gas tanks in his front yard, Ed Getty. And I went around crossways, lost it, and hit them gas tanks and wrapped around them and throwed me out. Start saying you had your seatbelt on, didn't you? <laughs> no, didn't have seatbelts back then. <laughs> but anyhow, it threw me out, and when it went around, and my feet was underneath the car up around my the housing, and uh, Hugh Wallace drug me out. It broke my arm and messed me up a little bit, and I didn't have license. And so Bass Farr was the sheriff, so then he talked to him said, said, we ain't going to do nothing about that. <laughs> I, that's how they do it today. I mean, you reckon hit a couple of fuel tanks, and yeah. you know, they'll let it go slide. <laughs> so you got off the school bus there at Herd, Herd Fuel, where your daddy was. Right. And you jumped in his car. Right. Chasing and the school bus. Yeah, I'm past the school bus, was showing out, went around through there, did you have one arm out the window and one on the steering wheel and you went by waving <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Did you pass the school bus? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt about that. That bus was going to get passed. Didn't yeah. We might have left nothing, come back with nothing but the steering wheel, but he was going to pass that bus. Well, did the bus at least slow down whenever they saw you wreck? Oh, they stopped. Yeah. All the kids got out. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Were you showing out then? No. <laughs> you just hanging on. Being all over myself. <laughs> Folks, this is just a touch of what we're going to be talking about tonight as we sit here with J.C. Gillen, the fried chicken king of Silver City, and we will get to that 
in just a moment after you hear a word from these fine sponsors of ours. You listen to The Crossing with Chris and Cal. You probably haven't checked the propane tank lately. It's when the pilot light goes out that you finally notice, right? And now you're in a bind. Who do you call? Mills Fuel Service right now. Mills Fuel has provided North Georgia with fast, courteous service and clean propane for over 50 years. So don't let the tank hit rock bottom. Call Mills today, 706-265-3394. Three locations to serve you coming Dawsonville and Dahlonega online at millsfuelservice.com. All right, we're back, and we're sitting here with JC. We're talking about, we just learned about uh, um, a little car wreck that he had trying to show out in front of his classmates passing the school bus. So, JC, you you uh, you continued school at Cumming High School, right? All right. But was it, was it all high schools, or was it kindergarten through, or what was it at Cumming? How many grades like, was there? It was 8 through 11. 8 through 11? Then the next year, they went to 12th. After you graduated. After you graduated. No, I was first year to have to go to the 12th year. Oh, man, that, that wasn't no good. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you were such a legend, they just want to keep you around for another yeah. year. Oh, my God. So That's very gra- awful. You graduated in what year now? What was that again? 55. 55. And then from there, from high school, you started, uh, what did you start doing after you got out of high school? I worked with Daddy. He had a feed, uh, chicken business. That's right. You said he bought the filling. It was a filling station from, uh, who'd you say on that? The Garrett's, yeah. And then he turned that into? Uh, uh, had an egg business, or grated eggs. Chicks and, and eggs. Yeah. You've been messing with chickens all your life, either producing them or cooking them, right? Yeah. <laughs> so he stopped working for herd and... Got into the chicken business there in Super City. Yeah. Now, anybody else in the family working during all of that with y'all, or was it just you and him, or me and him? Yeah. Pretty much running it, running the show. And you did that for how many more years? Oh, till '63, and I went to work General Motors on the night shift. Jumped on that assembly line. Yeah. What they have you doing at General Motors? No, I wasn't on the assembly oh, line. Oh, was you not? I looked up and got in the material. I drove a forklift stocking the line. Just like the bandit. Uh, yeah. forklift. Smoking the bandit. <laughs> and you worked. Uh, so, and I didn't know this until you were telling us earlier. So you started at General Motors and hadn't even thought anything about the restaurant business right. at the time. So how did all the restaurant business come about okay ruby worked down at the restaurant your sister my grandmother the greatest cook in the world but her and rita was real good friends so uh bob brothman had just built the restaurant which was lanier later on did he call it lanier restaurant or or no he called it dipsy doodle dipsy now that's a uh, (laughs) um trivia question for you right there chris he, he was from Indiana, and they called him the Yankee. Okay, they had Dipsy Doodles up there. But Bob had built a little restaurant out on 20, which Pee Wee Cockrum wound up with. And he had a little Dipsy Doodle sign up. But when he built the new restaurant, he went and moved the sign up there and called it Dipsy Doodle. So for the folks listening, that location is if you're heading nine south, Chris, through town, and you pass the old Mr. Swiss building, Yep. 
and before you get down to the uh, red light at Buford Dam, if you look to your left, there's a there's a building there. Uh, I don't know. Is it a stereo it's place? A place that it's like we talked about it. It's like a stereo, and then I think it's a vape store or something. Right. Like. No, American Radio. Yeah, it was yeah. that. But yeah. it was through the years. It was a lot of stuff after the restaurant. Yeah. But it was built from the ground up as a restaurant. Yeah. And he didn't want to stay in the business. No, <clears throat> he wouldn't build, wouldn't cook like the Southern people did. Ruby cops telling him to, you need to cook like we eat down here. And he said, no, no, no. And they was giving him a hard time. The customers was. Ruby was trying to get him to cook green beans and all that. And he said, no, no, no. And uh, he's what, going, what was he cooking? Something they cook back north. I don't know. Sauerkraut and wieners had, or something. Yeah. But anyhow, they were giving him hell. He was going under. Yeah. And having a nervous breakdown. And he wanted to sell out. So Ruby went and talked with Ray and says, let's buy that. And uh, he was I, doing a lot of conniving while you was at work at night. Yeah. Wasn't he? But anyhow, I went to Roy P. Owl, bank, come, bank of coming. And asked Roy P. about borrowing. I think it was $175,000. Roy P. said, no, no, no. Restaurant business is bad. He says, 99% of the people fold up in a year's time. He says, I won't loan you no money. So I went to Dawson County Bank. They told me the same thing. We come back to Bob, and uh, we told him, and he says, oh, I want out of it. He says, oh, I'll finance it myself. You paid me so much money. And me and Ruby and Rita agreed. And he just walked over to the cash register and got him a box. Just turned his cash register drawer over in that box and says, I'm gone. Took all the money and left. Yeah. Says, I'll be back one of these days. He left us. And me and Ruby didn't even have $5 in her pocket. And uh, we said, what are we going to do for money for change? And Rita went to her daddy and borrowed $200. Went to the bank of coming, got $200 and changed, and filled the registers up, and then on. And it was in two weeks till Bob come back to sign the papers. We'd done took in several thousand dollars. <laughs> come back, and me and Ruby and Rita signed the papers. So what'd y'all do? Y'all just took the food that was already there to yeah. be prepared and just they did it your way? Yeah, they wasn't no inventory. They wasn't nothing. So did you have a, with your suppliers and stuff, did you just start a line of credit with them? Or different they... ones. Ruby had been there long enough to know what she was going on. She had some contacts. On. Yeah. So we just followed Ruby, and uh, she let us on. That building, I remember they had a huge fireplace in the back room. One in the front and one in the back. Yeah. It was a double fireplace. And there's a, if I was not mistaken, there was a counter with stools on it, wasn't there? A couple yeah, of, going a in, yeah. And did y'all change the name? Okay, it was Dipsy Doodle was what it was. So when you we, just stayed with that? Or? No. Uh, they was just, Lanier had just filled up, been filled up. And Ritter and Ruby come up, let's change it to the Lanier Restaurant. Okay, we didn't have the money to have a sign printed up. So Ruby and Ritter got up with this bread company. We brought all of our bread from, and uh, they said, we'll put you a big sign on top of the roof. 
before you if, put the bread name under it. Yeah, and so they, we did that. So that's how we got, you know, the name Lanier, because Lanier had just filled up. Marketing genius. Nobody was doing that at the time. And you never showed back up at the uh, plant. General Motors? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I worked for uh, uh, six more years. I'd turn my resignation in, and I'd get scared. Like I say, I didn't like the rest of the business. But you just kept working there a little yeah. bit. And so finally, uh, in 1970, I, I quit, come back to the restaurant. Hard to turn that money down when it's coming in. Yeah. Like that. Cash. But my thing was, Ruby and Rita had me fixed up doing the dirty work. <laughs> As they do. I'd come in, I'd work till 3 o'clock at General Motors. National the restaurant was closed down. I'd come in and they had me cleaning the fryers, scraping the oil in the fryers, cleaning the grill, and sweeping the parking lot off. That was my thing after I got out from General Motors. How many days a week was that restaurant open? Seven. Seven, seven days, days a week. Yeah. Breakfast and all the way through night, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hard work. Long hours. I remember when I was just a little kid back in the days, but they had those, you had those little wooden bowls and they had the, the things of butter with a paraffin cover on top of it, little squares of butter. And the bowls had ice in them to, yeah. keep the, to keep the butter cold. So the restaurant business actually ended up a little bit better than Otwell had expected. Oh, yeah. Well, R.P. and his uh, whole family would come eat every Sunday <laughs> with us. And so the parking lot was had a big, huge parking lot. And it got uh, potholes in it, water standing. So Roy P. was in there one day and uh, said, Rita, you need to fix this parking lot. It's awful. And uh, uh, Reddy said, Roy, I don't have the money. He says, go up and talk to Furman Stansel there Monday. And says, well, he'll let you have the money. He changed his tune. He, he seen there was a... Some... Seen we were making progress, yeah. Mm -hmm. Everybody benefited. Now, yeah. was there much competition in the restaurant business? There was only one more, one more restaurant coming. There's only one. Whose was that? Jack's Uptown. That's right. My other grandmother worked there, Chris. Now, where was that one? Where was Jack's? Up next to R.P. Otwell's uh, Ford Place there in town. Oh. It was on the square. Now it would yeah. be where the uh, administration building is. Yeah. Right there on the corner. Yeah. So it was close. Yeah. Relatively speaking. Relatively so, speaking. So Dairy Queen wasn't opened yet. Oh, no. Uh-uh. Dairy Queen opened... Uh, the same year we opened it, 63, 64, shortly after. Because uh, I met Bill up at uh, the barbershop, and he had just moved to come in and open the Dairy Queen. That was in 60, 64, I think. And the main biggest seller you had then was still chicken, right? Yeah. So that's where it started. Yeah. Now, there was a special way that chicken was prepared. I don't want you to tell the whole secret because everybody's going to be trying to copy you now. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody always said that was Jake and Rita had the best chicken yeah. in the county. But nothing to it. Was nothing just to simple. It. Yeah. Well, you skimp the chicken breast, had your fryer at 285, and you dip your chicken in buttermilk and then American best flour. 
That's Ruby only wanted American bass. That was the key. Yeah, because it kept the bread in the same. We tried to get off American bass because it was a little bit higher. And uh, people say, Something's wrong with your chicken. You change your recipe on your chicken. Here we'd go back. American bass. And I still fry it up the house. And uh, that's what I do when I'm fried at the house. Only way you can get American best is uh, at Ingles. Ingles. So, a lot of the old old cooks that I know are still around. Yeah. They, they got to have the America's Best. Well, no doubt. Well, there's our first sponsor, America's Best. So give us a call, and uh, we'll be sure to hook you we'll, up. We'll sign a, a contract tonight. With a weekly, uh, weekly advertisement. And at this time, we're going to take another little break. You're listening to The Crossing with Chris, Cow, and J.C. Transforming the way you listen to sports. Yep, we've covered all of it, at least since 1978, 79, 80, 81, 82. Okay, you get the point. We've got it covered. The North Georgia Sports Link. Go ahead, like us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Keyword search, North Georgia Sports Link. And we are back with The Crossing, where the music meets the memories. Cold Mountain Cal and Chris Cheatham, along with our special guest tonight, Brother J.C. Gillen, better known as the Fried Chicken King of Silver City, Chris. We were talking about the new the restaurant that y'all had uh, purchased from the Yankee. Yeah. Changed the menu completely. Right. Making the best chicken in town. You had just a little bit of competition uh, with other restaurants. Right. Um, employees. I've been thinking about that. Did you have a lot of them, or was it a small unit, or did you have some that stayed with you? Did you have some that stayed a pretty good while? Oh yeah, I had some that stayed for years. Big changeover, yeah. Then it's a revolving door after that, I right. guess. Right, trying to keep employees. So you you ran the Lanier restaurant for how many years? Uh, ten. Ten years. Rita had this. Rita brain, got sick. Had the brain tumor. Right. Then we had, and that was a. That was touch and go there for a long time. Damn she was, right. we about lost her then, didn't we? Yeah. So when after she got out of the brain tumor, she wasn't able to work anymore much. And so I, we sold out. Right. Who did you sell out to? We sold out to a branch uh, bank in Gainesville, and they changed it over to a branch bank. So they actually turned it into a bank. It didn't right. continue to exist as a right. as restaurant. a restaurant. Right. So there was a big void in the in the form of a restaurant, and then the longer it waited, yeah, Rita started getting uh, cabin fever. Yeah, she got better, and uh, Emmett Hansard, Hansard Bait Shop, next to the car wash there, had a space there, and he wouldn't know. Called me one day and said, "Come and talk to me. I, I need to talk to you." So I went down and talked to him, and he wanted to build a restaurant there, and. Uh, I didn't want to get back in because you hated the rest of the yeah. business. And uh, so uh, I didn't even tell Rita until about two weeks later. One <laughs> Sunday, we were sitting down talking, and <clears throat> Rita was down and out, didn't have nothing to do. And I went to, I told her, I said, well, Emmett called and uh, wanted to build us a restaurant. said he wouldn't build nobody else a restaurant but us. And, uh, boy, it set her afire. So Monday morning, we was down there talking to him. 
and then it went on from there. He built the restaurant and built it back off the road. We just wanted a small restaurant. We didn't want a big one like we had one there. And so Rita had drawn the plans up and built a little old restaurant with only six tables, 24 people in it. And we built it back off of nine where we could add on to it if we wanted to later on. So we operated like that. And I spent half my time washing dishes. Dishwashers was laid out. I told Rita, I said, I'm through washing dishes. So we just started serving on on uh, the Appalachian when we opened up on paper. Right. Everything, paper plates and all. And so that went on for, oh, probably nine months. And we got so big, everybody complaining, no, couldn't get a seat, all that. And we decided we'd build on. So we built more on the front. So I wound up putting a damn dishwasher in. <laughs> <laughs> Had to come out of that pocket yeah. a little bit. And so we operated like that for 16 years. Wow. That's awesome. 16-year restaurant. Yeah, but how come us to get out of the business? We started closing this uh, Monday through Saturday from 6 till 2, closed on Sunday. Well, we were losing money. 400 had opened up. All the traffic was bypassing coming. And so uh, we were losing money and uh, having to put money we'd saved back in to stay open. And our auditor told us, says, y'all going to have to start staying open on Sunday because that's your big day right? on Sunday. And uh, you're going to have to start staying open. Our IRS don't understand. you just putting money back in it to have a place to work. So that's why we decided to just close Just to be door. done with it. Yeah. Y'all never did breakfast there then, though, did you? Oh, yeah. Oh, you did do breakfast. Yeah, yeah. That's right. All the time we was open. I remember when... Uh, everybody always said when court was running, that was your big, big week of the month. Wasn't it? I mean, yeah. it was backed out. With and the then Sundays the were good because everybody's coming there after church. Yeah. Because everybody was at home on, I mean, not by, not, they weren't going to work on 400. They were staying in town. Yeah. Come eat after, after church. Okay. When the 400 opened, traffic would be backed up from coming to Beaufort Highway. On Friday afternoon, everybody trying to go north to get on the lake before 400 opened. But after 400 opened, they just went up 400, didn't even come through coming. So that's what hurt the downtown coming business. Yeah. How many pounds of chicken you think you fried a week at the, in the heyday at your biggest point? I get four or 500 pounds on Friday for the weekend. Just for the weekend? Yeah. So they were, were they making like two deliveries a week? No, I picked it up. Wilson, when we first started the Lanier, Oh, you went straight to the source. You went to yeah, the chicken plant. Yeah, I went to Wilson plant and picked it up. And uh, we had a 61 Pontiac when we bought Lanier Rastard. I'd put that chicken, go to Wilson's, which bought Tyson's out. We would go. I'd go to Wilson's and get that chicken, and all the blood is dreaming <laughs> off of it. Put it in that trunk of that car and uh, bring it to the restaurant. That's what gave it that special flavor. <laughs> <laughs> but you talk about smelling, you know, two or three days of summertime. 
Y'all didn't uh, go anywhere else in that old car, did you? No. Drove it to Silver City and back to Columbia. <laughs> That's a little tidbit nobody knows. But anyhow, my thing was we'd go to Wilson's and bring it back in the dishwashers. These kids that wash dishes would help with skin. We'd take it out of the Because it had box. to be skinned. Ruby preferred you had to pull the skin off that chicken breast, throw it. We I'd put these trash can liners in a 30-gallon uh, drum, and we'd skin the chicken, there. throw it over. And the thing about it, we did it outside, out back of the restaurant. And this uh, fall of the year, yellow jackets would eat you up <laughs> coming to that blood, you know, off that chicken. But we'd take the chicken after we skin it, take it inside, and wash it off, and then store it in the cooler. Just as hard as you could go. Yeah. And then my chicken breast would uh, uh, get in your fingers. I've had my hands skin off awful. Nobody sees that. They just see the glory and the money you was making. Oh, yeah. They don't see that hard yeah. hard work. I never seen him. That's why. He's back there <laughs> washing dishes and going and picking up chicken. <laughs> Rita was sitting there at the end of the counter counting that money. Oh, but yeah. She'd ring you. It was mostly all buffet style coming down the line, too, wasn't it? No, that right was there. the Appalachian. At, the at Lanier, Appalachian, yeah. At Lanier, it was order, you know. Well, now you know how the uh, king of chicken was born, Chris. So you were telling us about um, um, earlier about how you pretty well know. I mean, well, Cal was actually sharing about how you pretty well known about having the fastest car and people trying to uh, compete with you coming from all around. You had a 1950 Oldsmobile, right? Right. So tell us a little bit about how people were coming from out of town and they was wanting to, to challenge that car and challenge you to a race. Okay, how that got started, Miss Miller Monday used to build cars for NASCAR racing in Atlanta and uh, Lakewood now. He kept telling me about Oldsmobile being fast. Said, if you can get your Oldsmobile, I'll build you a fast motor. Well, I was going through and seen this 50 Oldsmobile coupe. We didn't make many, many of them at an Oldsmobile place in Atlanta. So I went down and, and traded for it and got it. 50 Oldsmobile straight shift. They didn't make many straight shifts. It was 50 Oldsmobile coupe, which y'all had the picture of that 50. So Beater said, I'll be your motor. And that run like hell. And I <laughs> said, okay. So he went to the Tallett Brothers and bought a 55 Oldsmobile motor out of a wrecked car. And I said, Beater, just take your time and build it like you want to. So Beater worked on that about six months. He called me over one day and said, I want you to look how big, big we got them pistols bored out. They're like a coffee cup, he said. And so he built that engine and put it in it, and it would run, buddy. What did you think the first time it set you back in the seat when you took off in that thing? Well, he told me, he said, break it in slow. He said, don't get on it too much. So I got over on the expressway. Going to South Carolina, they just opened it up, and I drove it up and down that expressway 300 miles. Then I got on it, <laughs> and then you could just feel it putting you back. And word got out. Yeah, it run. Yeah. So when you race these folks, a lot of times it was from Dawsonville to coming, wasn't it? From well, what I heard. Well, it would be down Buford Dam Stretch. We called it Buford Buford Road Stretch to work. 
uh, worked from 20 and uh, 9 down to Hall Creek. Right. Down through there. About two miles we'd race. That's all you could stand, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but the biggest race I ever got in on for mileage, uh, this was in 59. Maynard Harbin up in Dawson County and John Davis, which had become sheriff later on, they were racing each other. John had a Chevrolet and Maynard Harbin had a Ford and they had spent a lot of money having them hot rods built. And uh, I heard they was going to get down on the expressway from Dorval up towards Narcross and race before they opened the race up. I mean, the interstate go around the barricades. So I just always parked my car in front of in a shelter there at the garage one Saturday night. And I parked my car and getting out, and all these cars coming down. I bet you it was 25 or 30. I said, what in the hell's going on in the happen thing? John and Maynard's going to race. Down on the expressway. So you fell in with them. I did. <laughs> <laughs> they had no idea, though, did they? No, they didn't know. But back then, they called the Plymouth. I was the only one that had a Plymouth because they were so square. They called them a cracker box. Right. So we went and uh, got down and to BJ Sexton's at Cold Mountain always stayed open pretty late. And they had pulled in there and Maynard and... Uh, John needed gas. I don't know why they hadn't filled up knowing they was going to race. But they get talking and said, where are we going to get gas at? And somebody said, well, we can go down to Dorval. That independent station stays open all night. They said, okay. And, but uh, John Davis, he was a loud mouth. This big, big boy said, Gillen, you ain't going to try to keep up with us, that damn cracker box. <laughs> and it pissed me off. Yeah. I said, John, I might stay inside your taillights. But anyhow, went, went on, going on down, going down 141. Wasn't no expressways or nothing. And going down on 141, they got the race, and John and uh, uh, Maynard did. And uh, John uh, got in front of Maynard, and down through them long straight stretches, I just pulled up side of that old plumber. Just look over at him. And drop back, and uh, so we got down the independent station there at Dorval. They was gonna fill up the gas, and Maynard went and done told John says, "Damn Plymouth run!" And uh, John said, "Yeah, he needs to fill that damn thing up with this old cheap gas." <laughs> I said, "Hell, this Plymouth likes that cheap gas." So I just <laughs> pulled up there and filled up with it, and I didn't know where they was gonna race because right. they was going up and get on. That going to 75, is that going towards South Carolina? Is that 75 right? 85, probably. Okay, they were going up and they had done learned to go around the barricade and get up there. And that they had a five mile strip where they wouldn't be bothered. And I didn't know. And all this was going to just get gas. Yeah, and race. <laughs> but all half of Dawson County had come up and got on the overpass over the expressway. And this was like one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. So I followed them. I said, I'll just follow y'all up and say. So I said, they got up and lined up, took off. And when they took off, I just went off behind them. And uh, 
I let them get wound up. I just, and I done learned this, what they call drafting now. Uh -huh. You get up behind them, you pull out, you was breaking the air, you pull out. I done learned that. So I got up by the, and Maynard went by him, and John was up about five, six car lengths and in front of him. So I stayed over my left lane where I, I would pick his draft up, then I picked it up and went on by him. <laughs> I just went on and left him. And uh, <laughs> Red Stevens was down on the bridge, and he said, oh, here they come, three of them. He said, that damn Plymouth was just whistling. And <laughs> said to him, mother, the guys, the big carburetors just, <laughs> <laughs> but then when we finished, got down, I was done a quarter of a mile ahead of them. And uh, they had another guy down there blinking his lights at another barricade. And uh, so Maynard got uh, pissed off and then donuts tore his transmission out. And I asked the miner, I said, Miner, do you want me to carry you home this cracker box? He said, Hell no. <laughs> Didn't like that. Uh -uh. <laughs> but that's how the Plymouth got the name of the cracker box. <laughs> so the and, and again, this is just going to get gas on 141. We don't know how good we got it. We ain't got to go far to get gas. <laughs> they going all the way from coming down 141 to Dorval to, Dorval to, get, to, get, to gas. get gas. <laughs> Cheap gas. Yeah, we used to drive from coming, be sitting around like this time of night, no restaurants open. Yeah. Three or four of us say, let's go ride to Varsity and get us a hot dog. we take off Varsity get a hot dog. Fast. The Varsity, which will hold 600 fast. cars, world's largest. <laughs> drive-in restaurant little did we know that the uh fried chicken king of silver city was the master of the draft long before <laughs> junior johnson discovered it in right. daytona <laughs> nobody knows that you can only find that here on the crossing folks where the music <laughs> oh, meets the memories i want to tell you about the really drafted we got time go ahead okay this was in 68 i had this plum of fury and this was 69 when i was racing with maynard and John, but I before then I had the 68 special uh, sport fury. I seen in Hot Rock magazine about this Plymouth sport fury that was so fast and everything two four barrels built for racing. So, uh, I heard Chrysler at Plymouth Place in Dodgeville, uh, Gainesville had one. I went over and got it, had two four barrels. And only one color, beige, gold trim, and all that. Registered had 150 on the speedometer. And it would run like hell. <laughs> and uh, so, but anyhow, me and Rita was going to Florida. We hadn't got married. We're going for this weekend. And uh, Rita had fixed, she worked downtown Atlanta. And uh, she had fixed us, uh, some sandwiches to eat because we wanted to get to Florida. By midnight, and I told Rita, I said, usually it takes eight hours to drive it. But I said, if you'll help me, we'll drive it in five. And uh, she said, okay. So she'd fix the sandwich up. So I picked her up downtown Atlanta. Headed to Daytona. Yeah, at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, I said, well, I'm going to drive while you eat, and then we get outside the limit. You can drive. And Rita, I done taught her how to drive. 
she'd drive like hell for a woman. But anyhow, we started going down uh, out of Atlanta. Ready was eating her sandwich, and we got off, got them. And back then, there wasn't no expressways. It's all over country roads, long mile straightaways. And I told Ray, I said, uh, well, I was eating, I said, I'll let you get up on the steering wheel a little bit, and I'll eat my sandwich. We was driving down to them little small towns. I told Ray, I said, drop down about 60 miles an hour through the speed <laughs> to them old towns. You get outside, open it up. And she was running like 100 to 110 when we get to the straight stretch. Went through a little old town, and I was sitting over eating. And uh, I had my sun visor down, had a mirror on it where I could watch my behind. <laughs> the back door. <laughs> okay. I seen this damn black 58 forward come up on the one was like hell. I said, oh, shit, Raider, we done got caught. <laughs> Guy pulled up side of us. And when he pulled up side of us, he get motion, come on, come on. Raider was driving. And I could see his damn wings on his cap and his coat, his damn Delta airplane pilot. Right. And he opened that son of a bitch up and went by us just smoking them tires. I said, Rita, that's a damn airplane pilot. Go back to his house. <laughs> she let out and got up behind him, but she never could pass him. And uh, messed around. And uh, I got up and got over the back seat and told her to slide <laughs> over easy. We followed him, and I slid on the steering wheel. And I could get up, and we'd hit them long straighter stretch. And that Plymouth restaurant, 150. And I got up to 148 the last time I looked after it. Wasn't going to look again. We was just right on his ass. But every time I'd get up to him, I'd have to let off. Couldn't get by him. So I finally figured out this draft situation, too. This is another time. So I'd back off. And I'd get up on him, get a run on him. I'd get over the left, blow his ass off the road. Well, I passed him. And when I passed him and got in front of him, he can blink his lights. I had me want me to pull over, turn the indicator. So I pull over to the little roadside park. He said, Boy, what in the hell have you got there? <laughs> and I said, The damn stock plummet. He said, You're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and he went and said, Can I look on the hood? And I said, Yeah. So I opened the hood up and it had two four barrels. And he said, Come look at my car. He walked over that 58 forward, raised the hood. Do you ever heard of Homan and Moody? Mm-hmm. He yep. said, I paid Homan and Moody $5,000 to build that. And the damn Plymouth outrun me. From the stock car from uh, Gainesville. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you ain't going to find that anywhere else. You were just driving an advertisement for uh, Beeler then, weren't you? Beeler Mundy, I mean, wasn't he the one who built the car for you? He was the one that built the 50 O's. How this one was just stock from the dealer. This was oh. stock. This, uh, Plymouth was stock from Chrysler. I didn't do nothing with it. See, I had read about it in Hot Rod Magazine, how fast it was. Yeah. Well, folks, there you have it. The tale of the fried chicken king from Silver City and the <laughs> fastest Plymouth you've ever seen coming out of... Uh, the hills of North Georgia. JC, we thank you so much for coming by and sharing these memories with us. And 
I had so many requests for to get somebody in here that's local from the county and, and everywhere we turn they talk about the Appalachian and the Lanier restaurant and how good it was and what a fine fellow you and Miss Reed are and I'm proud to know you. Thank, thank you. you. We thank appreciate you. you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, sir. Thank what a perfect show to be the flagship of this second leg of the uh, of the cross and thank you folks for uh, listening to us and downloading the podcast and, and giving us a listen. We hope to have more coming soon. Be looking for updates. Uh, the calendar of events we got some shows lined up you're sure to enjoy if you thought this one was good tell your friends about it log on help us sell some sponsorship send that money in that's what we need <laughs> download us like us find us anywhere chris we've almost forgot to introduce the newest member of our posse our new producer steve thomas steve thomason glad to have you on board with us steve doing an excellent job back there turning dials and making smiles this podcast coming to you from due south productions High top the Doc Hawkins building in downtown Coal Mountain. Folks, we'll see you next time. Until then, this is Coal Mountain Cal and Brother Chris Cheatham saying so long. The Crossing, where music meets memories, is recorded at Due South Productions, high atop the Doc Hawkins building in downtown Coal Mountain, and is recorded and mixed by Steve Thomason and hosted by Chris Cheatham and Coal Mountain Cal Hurd. Theme music written, performed, and recorded by Wendell Cox. The Crossing is a production of Roadhog Studios and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Due South Productions or at least a text message from Cal or Chris. That'll do too. All rights reserved. All right, we'll catch you next time on The Crossing. <laughs>